Welcome to Meet the Author at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Please welcome your guest moderator, Colin Murray. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for turning out, and particularly the guy with the greatest jacket ever in the back row. Uh, you make everything worthwhile today. My name's Colin Murray. I've worked with Edith for uh, many years, and the friendship has lasted a lot longer. We spent a decade uh, together on Radio 1. So what was that, sir? Don't mention the decade high ratings, please. Don't embarrass us. This, please don't do that. And we're here to talk about her book, which uh, I'm going to tell you a conversation I had today. I was walking uh, home from work to leave stuff off to come here. And uh, I was talking to a friend using one of those uh, Beats, you know, microphone things. And uh, I said, oh, I'm going to meet a friend tonight. I'm interviewing about her book. And uh, she says, oh, who is it? I said, Edith. She went, all right, good. She said, what's it on? And I said, it's on, it's on British festivals. And she said, uh, why would she write a book on that? And I'm like, she was quite rude about it. And I said, well, what do you mean? She had loads of experience working in music. She went, well, what's that got to do with writing the book on vegetables? Um, so, so we had on an idea. The second book, which we'll be talking about later in the week, is Edith Bowman's Great British Music Vegetables. Uh, but as it is, music festivals and so, and so much to talk about. How many people here uh, consider themselves festival veterans? Okay, brilliant. We're going to take you on a voyage of discovery uh, over the next while. Uh, first of all, Edith, you've experienced festivals as a teenager as someone in their young 20s with yeah. groups of friends, yeah. uh, as, as someone who uh, uh, pregnant, yeah. with kids as a mum, yeah. married, yeah. and as, let's face it, a, a, a single floozy. Um, <laughs> it's so different now that you can read in the book, festivals are, are applicable to so many different walks of life now in so many different situations, whereas 22 years ago when I was 16 and started going, they weren't bringing a pram to the festivals I was going to. They've created uh, or they've set up festivals to cater for everyone because it's not like we stopped liking live music. But there's so many festivals that they're not just about music. You could go to a festival and not listen to music and experience everything else. Um, apart from that, if, you know, if music's not your thing, you can still go to a festival and have a great time. But there's so many now. There is quite literally one for everybody. Um, the thing about the book as well, which even for all the festivals I've been to, I didn't realise you could kind of go all the time. I didn't realise it was you could literally go to three or four major festivals a month in, in the UK, and, and Christmas is about the only time that you can. But they're announcing Glastonbury, so you're already getting ready for for next year. In your opinion, are the best festivals of the hundreds that you've went to ones that are genre specific? So, for example, this jazz festival, this ska festival. I know you went to all ones like that. Download. Or is it better when they're mixed and the genres are all just fired in all over the place? It mixes up the age group, yeah. mix, mix up the people that go. I think that um, even when you think a festival is genre specific, it actually really isn't. I mean, Download Festival is a great example because I think down, a lot of people have preconception about what Download is about and what the type of people that go to Download are like. For example, smelly, smelly tattooed people. Emos. A lot um, of people they say, yeah. are, the, the, the Download Festival goer as a group of people are the friendliest bunch of people you will ever meet. It's the most wonderful environment to go to. Um, and it's weird because I, mean, I spoke to a few people who kind of had this preconception and they, they had this thing where they thought the download crowd were scary and it would be intimidating uh, and it'd be aggressive and it's the complete opposite. Um, but it's, it's down to the individual because it depends on what type of experience you want to have going to a festival, whether you are going purely to see you know, if you're only into one type of music, then yeah, go to a genre-specific festival. But if you're kind of a bit more open-minded about music and you want to be kind of 
inspired or learn something new or even be uh, kind of re-persuaded about a band because I've been at festivals where I've had an opinion about a band and going, yeah, I'm really not into them. Then I've gone and they've become kind of one of my new favourite bands because in that environment, it's like, ah, I get it now. They're actually really, really good. It's two things, festivals for me. It's the experience over the weekend and then it's the bands that you go and see. Yeah. I went to Glastonbury and not seen a single note played. Yeah. Albeit that was during my more lucid times. Uh, no Gallagher's there with you as well, by yeah. the way. <laughs> and I've went to festivals and I've been to Glastonbury and only watch bands across all, all, all the stages. Um, Which there, you there's prefer? Some rules of um, <laughs> I think I, I once did Glastonbury where I, I got up at 11 at night and went to bed at 11 in the morning and did it a completely different way. I always remember walking through two or three fields and this is what, it's a lot more experience than I have at Glastonbury, but this is what a festival like that can offer. I walked, you go into tents, you don't know what's going to be in the tent and I walked into one tent and they had, uh, and I, I, I don't even know what time, God knows what time it was, two, three, four in the morning and it was a Down Syndrome Theatre. Uh, a Down Syndrome theatre group and I watched, sat and watched something that I don't think I've ever seen advertised anywhere, I've never seen before and it was fantastic and I walked out and I walked into a circus tent and Jim Rose Circus was playing so there I went from that to a guy putting himself through the head of a tennis racket and then I strolled down the hill and this is my muddled, muddled memory, I strolled down the hill and the Goonies was playing in, in, the, in the cinema field and you know the bit when uh, Chunk comes down the, uh, not chunk, what do you call it, sloth. Sloth. Here you go. The classic scene. Yeah. When he came down the thing, thousands of people stood and applauded. Sloth coming down and saving the day in the Goonies. And festivals for me, they, I don't really think it matters whether you're singing along to a band that people may consider uncool, if you're all singing along to Yellow by Coldplay, or you're all cheering Sloth from the Goonies, yeah. or you're watching some amazing theatre group. It's the community it creates. It's sort of Definitely. that feeling that you've bonded with all these people, I think, is the key. And that comes I, across in the book of that being as important as your music. Definitely. And I went to um, I went to fest, I went to loads of festivals last summer to kind of do research for the I book. I hope so. And, you wrote um, a bloody book on it. And I, I went, one you that I went to... go to any, we're all going home. One that I went to that I'd never been to before on my own was festival number six ah. in, um, in Wales, which is in Port Merion. Uh, and it's brilliant. It's like this kind of weird, almost double festival where you've got the kind of traditional festival site with the stage... Uh, two stages, food court, all that kind of thing. And then you kind of go through the back and you enter the actual town and village of Port Merion, which they've encompassed into the festival as well. I did a ukulele lesson with this kind of 40 other people in the middle of the What's town square. It was like a made-up song. Oh, okay. And then Tim Burgess and the Charlottes took over the town hall and he had his whole kind of coffee shop thing going on there with guest DJs. And it was like being... It was like being a kind of extended village fate. It was brilliant. But that's it, and it coming to get your questions on this, that for me is the, there's two stages of festival. There was for anyone in the crowd who's in their late 30s, which is most of your younger, festivals were different. They were much more linear. You yeah. see these bands, you pay yeah. money to see these bands. And yeah. It was a big deal at one pulled out. I remember going to the festival at Soundgarden pulled out. It was called Sunstroke. It was a major big deal. Yeah. Wouldn't be that big a deal these days. So if we take that type of festival first, give me its name again. Festival, festival number, number six. six, which yeah. is just some amazing pictures. Looks fantastic. You can throw in their festivals that I think people buy tickets for before they know a single artist that are playing yeah. at it. Now that's massively different. That would never happen in my day. You bought it solely in the bands that were yeah. playing. There was no other experience. The campsite was shit. The food was shit. The travel was shit. But the bands were magic. Now that's almost been reversed. 
these well, boutique festivals, you don't need to even know the band's playing to buy no, a ticket. No, and even Glastonbury this year, they only announced the final headliner, The Who, last week. You yeah. know, and it's it's a month away from yeah. the festival actually happening. Well, then, from going to the mall, what's the good and bad of the boutique festival? Festival latitude, festival number six. What are they offer that's good, and what are the things that maybe they can offer that a big dirty festival can offer? Well. The thing that they offer is is kind of an amazing, eclectic mix of entertainment. So whether that's um, watching Beck on the main stage, like at Festival Number no. 6, or a new band called Childhood on the Little Independent stage, or Ukulele Lesson, or eating local produce in the food court, um, or watching... By that I mean your hash cakes. Oh, Just say uh, it, it's fine. Hot dogs. Uh, or... Um, <laughs> or some kind of like film Q&A in the film tent. So that's kind of similar to Latitude as well. It's like that best of all is a bit like being invited to Rob DeBank's extended house party. It's, it's got Rob DeBank stamped all over it. It's, it's his kind of personality that is that festival, and that's why it's so much fun. Um, they, it's hard they, to they find look, negatives, to be honest, yeah. because... They're just more smooth. Well, they're, they're the, more, the smaller ones. Yeah, they're more, uh, I, I suppose, uh, I don't want to use the word dignified. That's, that's the wrong word to use. But let's just say a bigger festival. Nobody's building uh, human pyramids or lighting fires. That's my point. You know what I mean? There's always not really that edge. So, yeah, exactly. There's, there's a mix, isn't there? Yeah. And, and they both serve a purpose still, I they think. They do. And like you were saying about that idea of notion of like, it's just about the bands. Uh, you know, you watch the bands and then you kind of go on the next one. Reading's still like that. Reading is purely about what's on all those stages, whether it's the lock-up stage, the Radio 1 Enemy stage, or the main stage. Tea in the Park's like that as well, about to start on its third site, brand new site that it just got the license for. Um, that tea's just like that, it's just about the music. So there are festivals that it's purely about the music, and then you have these other things that are this kind of cultural kind of whirlwind. Glastonbury is the, the elephant in the room. That's the, the cliched best festival ever. We, we worked on it just together for Radio 1, just before the fence went up, the yeah. big wall, and then after. And I think it's been lost a little bit that at that stage when they took a year off and put up that fence, and a lot of people say it is the commercialisation of Glastonbury, there weren't going to be any more Glastonbury's. I mean, yeah. it police, was either put police up the and fence. authorities had said, yeah, if it was either put we can't the fence have 300,000. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, that's the kind of... It's weird, I was doing some chatting about the book earlier today and a lot of people were asking me about, oh yeah, but festivals just become so commercialised. Like, well, they kind of have to to survive. It's an incredibly competitive market these days. And I interviewed Rob DeBank for the book and he very honestly said, you know, I am still an independent festival, but I am probably going to have to go down the commercial route yeah. to survive. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have a festival or not? Yeah. I think it's, a, it's probably a balance to be struck, yeah, isn't definitely. it? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's very important to just not product placement all the time <laughs> when you're doing these things. Well, Let me just know, have a look at my iPad you're talking for about. the next question. What are you talking <laughs> about? I mean, I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but like V is the obvious one about V is, but V started off like that. It's not like it was one thing and became another. Even though it was kind of, it, it came off the back of this brilliant idea that Jarvis Cocker had to have a, a, a gig one place one day and another place the next. V kind of has always been this commercial beast. Yeah. Always has been, always will it's be. It's true. I mean, there was, there was a picture in your book from Bruno Mars playing at V, and I think it's one of only two I've ever been to. And I've never enjoyed it. It's just not my thing. It's horses for courses. But I remember walking past Bruno Mars playing and, and being quite distraught that that's what a festival could be. But again, it's somebody who sold 40 million albums, and that's what I'm talking about. Festivals are so, so different. It used to mainly just be either... Uh, 
a ridiculous mismatch of bands on one stage in a field, yeah. or it used, or, or it would be very linear towards this is the subject you want. But now there's there's festivals for pop pickers. Yeah. There's festivals for people that like only blue no jazz. Yes, there there is there is a there is a festival for every genre of music, and then there is festivals for people who like every genre of music. That's a hard thing to achieve, and I think it's actually harder for the festivals to survive that are purely one genre. Yeah. Um, okay. If, if you write a book on festivals, you must be held accountable for the bad side of festivals. So bad. Can we not talk about we and weather, please? Huh? Can we not talk oh, about yeah. we and weather because it's, Dude, like, it's romanticized? Guys, we live in it? the yeah. UK. We're, yeah. We don't live like you know on the 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 desert plains of Palm Springs where Coachella is. It's like. We have unpredictable weather. As soon as you get that in your head, and do you know what? It's probably going to rain. If you get anything better than that, bonus. Yeah, but everybody knows for a fact, right, that... It's part of the whole experience. Whatever God exists, if a God does exist, he doesn't like Glastonbury because it's sunny for the whole month and then it <laughs> rains for just those three days. <laughs> the amount of times we've worked at Glastonbury and went, it's been sunny for three bloody weeks. Yeah. Um, it's, to, it's to separate, you know, the... Uh, the hardcore festival goer from the, uh, I'm going home. Or it's sign that they don't have an adequate drainage. A glass yeah. of I think we do romanticise a bit. Everybody has a festival moment where they go, I am never coming back here again. And ju it's just about every festival we go to, but it's eclipsed. You know, you have that moment in your tent when it's either disgusting in the tent and you're just, yeah, and it's just like, why am I even here? Or the worst, worse is when it's really hot and you're just sweating in your tent. You feel like you're, you're, you're sort of, Michael Jackson and his oxygen tent at night. You're like, I gotta get out of here. And we romanticise about it because there's that moment, isn't there, when that band are playing. And it, you know, I remember seeing a band called It's Joe and Danny uh, at Glastonbury, and I was sitting and there was, there was. I went up to see the guy who now is very, very famous, but wasn't back then. Was the lead singer of the Frames, Glenn Hansard, yeah. was playing acoustic, and then It's Joe and Danny were playing. Quite liked them. They were on David Holmes' label, I think, at the time, where he was doing it. So and they had a great song, I'm blabbering, but let me get the point. I was sitting there watching them, there's maybe like 50 people, and a woman sat down beside me, and uh, she read my tarot cards, which I am not that person. <laughs> I don't believe in tarot, I don't believe in all that. But at that moment, sitting just nice and happy with, with, a, with a cider, watching yeah. us, Joe and Danny, I mean, that's worth the two hours in the tent. For someone else, it would be singing Hey Judas, Paul McCartney headlines, yeah. pyramid stage or whatever. Yeah. It's those key moments that make a festival for me, and you can put up with no ball growing, you can put up with a terrible tent, you can you can put up with idiots. See, I, I, I don't think I've, I don't, I can't remember one time where I've said I'm never, I'm, I'm not coming back. Oh, really? Oh. I did, I went to, I must, I'm just a glutton for punishment, because I did, I even did Glastonbury two weeks after having a C-section. No. It's like... Was that Chelsea's football ground? What's that? <laughs> oh, right, after you had your, your kids. Right, I get that now. Have you had a discover a band moment where you just... Yes, Savages. That was one of them. That was on the introducing stage at Hackney. Um, and um, I was just, I was mesmerised by them uh, and by her heart and by her kind of presence as well. And it's interesting you saying about that kind of sing-along moment. Um, I interviewed loads of bands for the book, and um, if you've got a hard copy of the book, you can get a, there's an app that comes free with it, and within those little bits through the book, there's, there's some clips of the interviews, and Damon Alburn's someone that I interviewed for the book, and one of the things that he said, he was very candid about his experience of festivals, not just with Blur, but with Gorillaz and um, Good, the Bad and Queen, all that kind of stuff as well, and he said that, that when Blur first headlined 
Glastonbury, not the main stage, but the what was the enemy, I think Melody Maker stage at the time. Wow. He said he had a moment halfway through the set where he kind of allowed himself to kind of look at the crowd and really look at the crowd. And he had a kind of epiphany where he, at that moment, realized the power of song at a festival and how it's important what you play. It's important the set that you create. Huh. You, you cannot go in as a band. band and go, we've got a new album. We've got 11 albums that you know, but we've got one that you don't. And we're going to play all of that new album. By yeah. the way, it's not out for three weeks. Yeah, some... Can't some, do it at a festival. No, 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 no. Some, um, some artists kind of do it and, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not going down well. So the festival rules are get your set right. Yeah. If you're a band. Yeah. Well, the shadow of a doubt, that's what you've got to do. I, I'm going to bring in a festival rule here, which is don't see two bands, see one. Don't yeah. go, I'm going to see the start of this band and the end of that band, because yeah. you've missed the start of one and the end of the other. So you're not on that journey. You're not seeing their set as it is. Yeah. And Did don't... I just actually say on that journey? I'm going to take that back and reword that. Can you that. see organic as yeah, well at some yes. point? Yeah. Well? <laughs> you're not part of the project, <laughs> but you've got to see it, I think, from, from you've got to stick with one set. Any, any, I yeah. know this is a podcast, any festival virgins listening to it and you're going, don't see half of the headliner on one yeah. stage and half on the other, just stick with one. But don't make too many plans either because... Don't make any. Well, you know, there's obviously bands that you want to see that are on the bill, but just leave soap space open because, you know, that great old British weather, if it does rain, you'll find yourself running into a tent and discovering something that you've never heard before and it'll become your favourite new thing or... It's just the best way to discover new bands because there's something about that shared experience in that environment that you you just witness it differently from anywhere else. Bring your own toilet roll, I think. Wet wipes Not are always good. Wet wipes, toilet roll, bring all that. Any other rules through the festivals that you think this is what you must Layers. You must do. Layers are good. Yeah. So they kind of allow you to kind of cope with any weather situation, so layers are always good. Um, what... What festival not right? So give me your the festival that if you could go to any festival in the world, the one you go to on your own. Yeah. And any festival you go to in the world with your family, two very different experiences. Because right, it's um, stupid to ask you for your favourite because there's, there's yeah. a million. Um, there's a festival in Barcelona that used to be in the old town part, so you'd kind of wander through windy streets and come across a kind of then turn a corner, come across a vast open space where there'd be a, a stage in Primavera. And they've recently moved the site, and I haven't been to the new site, but I love their music policy. I think they have one of the best lineups around the world. So Primavera in Barcelona, I'd go to on my own and have a nice wee weekend. No, you're not bringing the kids to Barcelona. that. No, um, nice and then kids, kids festival. Yeah. Festivals. I mean, camp festival obviously is the kid equivalent of festival. But I took my six-year-old son to festival last year. Just the two of us went. And, uh, and we had the best time. I let him dictate the day to me. Is there loads of kids there? There's quite a lot of kids there, yeah. Just make a note, avoid <laughs> festival. You're great with kids. I know, they, they like me, I don't like them. Kids. Last thing you want at a fest, things you don't want near you at a festival, kids and, and other places, planes, you don't want kids near you in a plane. I go to a fest, so I want what? to forget the weekend, shall we just Why say. Why do you not want kids by? No, I Seeing didn't. a festival through a kid's <laughs> eye is exactly how you should allow yourself to experience the festival leave everything at that gate your daily worries your concerns whatever con worries and concerns you have in this brain hand over your ticket and leave all that at the door go in there and, and allow yourself to be childlike and to have fun and be silly and be stupid a lot of the book is from the point of view of being in the crowd being in various parts of the site and every corner of the site getting there etc etc yeah. but obviously then you've got on that side the privilege of seeing it from the other side yeah. well the, the, we've done 
I mean, we've been just all over Glastonbury working together and you've done a lot more beyond that, but it's, it's a blessing and a curse in a way because sometimes you just want to be out there. Yeah. But we, we've seen it from the other side, good and bad. There's the bands, it's unbelievable. The bands, riders, demands, backstage area. And it's that thing when you got the porta cabins for all the other bands, yeah, yeah, yeah. then the headliners sometimes have their own area, yeah, 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 which yeah, is yeah, bigger yeah, than yeah, our houses. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. They have five porta cabins. Yeah. Tina, the Tina Park's one of the few festivals actually where they have every stage. Uh, there's not kind of dressing rooms behind each stage. The whole dressing room area is for the whole festival. So all the bands are in one dressing room area, which is really nice and it's got a lovely kind of atmosphere in it. But the funny thing about riders is, being married to a musician who has a rider. Diva! Um, he, it, the riders aren't necessarily made up by the bands. No, they usually get an office ticket. They're there. normally made up by the tour managers yeah. or the managers. Yeah. Sometimes they'll go, listen, can I get a wee bit of like, guacamole on there or whatever. You know and people what I mean? are like, oh, hark at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you You're in Scotland king. now. That's um, for guacamole. So the, the, the best thing I've ever seen was a kid that drives about all the artists and they treat him terribly. Not in, not in that way. He's a runner and runners in TV and runners of festivals. They get like 20, 30 quid a day and they just get all the dog's body jobs. And he used to pick bands up and throw him about and he picked up, he'd go and pick up a woman and he went down to pick up a woman who was Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against the Machine's mum, it turned out. Amazing. Who came to Leeds. Brilliant. And Zach De La Rocha got on the same buggy and went, I'll come up. They were on next, yeah, they were yeah. headline at Leeds. I'll come up to the main stage. They drive up to the main stage and the mum gets, Zach's mum gets off and Zach De La Rocha gets off and turns around to the kid and goes, I say kid, he was like 17, 18. Yeah. What are you doing? And he went, well, I'm going to pick another band up. And he went, no, you're not. You're my mum's personal bodyguard now for the rest of the night. Come with me. And he went, I can't. He was like, don't you worry, Zach De La Rocha <laughs> says. Amazing. And he took this kid who'd just been running about the festival, he took him and put him right behind the amp stack and stood, he, this kid was like, oh my <laughs> God. Just looking out at all of Leeds, just Amazing. beside Zach De La Rocha, you know. Amazing. Which was brilliant. And um, yeah, those little moments are good. The opposite of that would be some bands are a little bit more, as we yeah, know, demanding. Deeper. Yeah, and difficult to interview. We've had kind of... We've had a few. I mean, it's funny, someone asked me the other day about what's your worst experience of interviewing a band oh, at, at, at a festival. And I said, it wasn't the worst experience, it was probably the most colourful. You know oh, it's got to be Primal Screen, Glastonbury, yeah. yeah. Did, did you someone have been a Nazi, didn't Man, they? And then, uh, uh, Basement Jacks. And then, yeah. Um, <laughs> Manny and Bobby from Primal Screen, they were, they were they'd, they'd, let's just say they'd been enjoying themselves. And they uh, came on to do a live interview with us on BBC Three and they ripped Basement Jacks to shreds because they thought that Primal Scream should have been headlining. And they were, it even went to the point on stage, remember that they got the plug pulled because they yeah. kept playing? Yeah. Brilliant, love them for that. I like that actually. Oh, yeah, I mean, me it's too. That thing it's kind of, of, that's what you want it. from bands. You want kind of, you know, a bit of attitude. Yeah, exactly, and that's my point maybe about the more wholesome festivals where you know you're not going to get any controversy at those. Do you Cambridge know what I mean? It's all organic tofu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, are we allowed to swear in this or do we get in trouble? I've got a story that has the F word on it. Can I get an up, up or down? We're okay, good, okay. Is that um, an up? The that, up, the, up? that was a thumbs up wow. for, for, for fuck. Thanks. Um, <laughs> it, it was uh, the opposite of Zach de la Rocha and the kid. And it might, I don't think it was the same, I think it was the year after you did, but Metallica had a hell of a rider and they had a hell of a setup and a hell of a stage. And yeah. Not even criticising them, I'm just saying that there was an area marked out in the stage that nobody was allowed to walk on. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, especially when other bands against them were brilliant to work with, like when the Killers were there and stuff like that, same, same weekend. 
so there was this thing where they had a, it wasn't again not the band but their tour manager who runs about setting everything up he was just rude all the time and the staff they're working 22 hour days setting the stage up they've been there for two weeks and it was just this thing where you have you can't be you can't back chat Right, so I, I DJ in between the bands at Leeds on the main stage done by 14 years and it was like, what are you doing here? I'm DJ, I DJ between the bands. Don't you cause any move to the, you know, all that type of stuff. Anyway, so it was an area that they could only walk on and Metallica came out and played. Weren't very good, by the way. Played, played too long. Anyway. They, I didn't uh, watch them. I watched they, they do, you can't, Don't play two and a half hours at a festival. Don't be so self-indulgent. Anyway, they walk off stage and they're gone now. There's nothing you can do. They've played. You don't have to be nice to them. And the tour manager said to one of the main roadies, this big guy said to him, this is Metallica's what way I've told you twice. And he just went, listen mate, fuck off. It was great. <laughs> and those two words, he spoke for every member of the crew. So what you get to see backstage is, is very different to festivals, very different stories. Yeah, and it was quite funny. Um, uh, Noel Gallagher, when I was chatting to him about the book, said that, because uh, he loves Glastonbury, he gets his staff to kind of book out Glastonbury, even if he's not playing sort of thing. He just, he loves going to Glastonbury, which I just find brilliant. And he went last year and he went, didn't watch a band. I was like, how come? And he went, well, I say that. He says, I went up and uh, watched Meta first half of, well, first half of Metallica's first song, because Lars is my mate. And then he said, and prior to that, he went, I went up to watch, uh, watch Sabian, but that bloody production that they had meant I couldn't watch Side of Sades. So he's like, sod that. That's such a good point, you know, when you go and see a band and the, 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 I'm not sure it matters huge amount, the amount of money. Some bands spend every penny they earn at a festival on the stage setup. They think, a lot of us because they're thinking, we're only going to do this once. The Darkness spent an absolute fortune when they headlined Leeds and Reading, and it finished with them wheeling out a massive, like, 12-foot cake that said The Darkness with sparklers on it, as Love Lifts Us Up Where We Belong, played now. by Jennifer Wards and Bill Medley. And others just simple. What do you prefer? What are the best festival depends, moments when actually. they throw everything at it? The lasers, the Coldplay green lasers. It depends because I remember for me the thing that springs to mind when you mentioned that is Music Reading when they did the whole Origins of Symmetry, yeah. where they, where it was it was a kind of almost like a, a a conceptual kind of performance where they did the whole album and then a few other hits kind of at the end. That was amazing because the whole stage was like the front cover. Um, Arcade Fire were the same. You know, they had this amazing kind of stage set up. all the I cameras think, on their faces and all that I was being for shot some, at the time. Yeah. For some, it really works. And then you think of things like, um, you know, like Arctic Monkeys. All they have to do is just get up and play. Uh, they don't need any kind of anything else. I like for a carpet. Works. I like a carpet. Richard Ashcroft yeah. always loved the carpet. <laughs> some bands put a carpet down. Yeah. I don't want to end on a negative before we take, take questions. I know we're, we're way over at the moment. Is a one-day festival in Hyde Park, is it allowed to call itself a festival? Or should there be... Are they festivals? One day, when you can leave, right, when you can leave... You can leave any festival after a day. And stay in a five-star hotel on the edge. There's no suffering going on there at these, these London festivals. There's no sacrifice to the cause. You can leave... I'm not, I think they should be called gatherings. Well, you can leave any festival after a day. You can go any festival a day and you can find a five-star hotel within a, you know, a few hours' drive to go and stay in. So why should it not be called a festival? It's a different type of festival. Of course it is. But... Yeah, but nobody's getting food poisoning. 
you know? I think they probably are. Might, might be actually <laughs> been to some rough I ones. I think they probably are. But no festival is a festival without a fresh yeah. donut. I'm trying Let to think of the things we haven't touched on yet, which is... Donuts. The, what about early raves? Because to, to me, they deserve a place in, in festival history. Yeah, they, they, um, they do. You know the early... I remember get the, the mixtapes we used to listen to, and we didn't really know much outside That's of Joey Belgium. That's how global and things grew but out yeah, of but that they, stuff. Dance music deserves its place in this, this conversation. It seems quite industry now, and, uh, and the well, audience has aged a bit. Yeah, There's but a it's, whole chapter in the book about dance festivals and, and how... You know, dance festivals have, have, have overtaken a lot of mainstream festivals in, in the way that, you know, and you look at someone like Annie Mack, who set up her own festival in Malta this year and stuff, and uh, kind of dance music is an important part of any festival. And you look at Glastonbury, how it had a dance tent, and now it has a dance village. And, you know, you look at the lineups, and the Chemical Brothers are an example of a dance act that have headlined the, the you know, a stage at Glastonbury on, on several occasions. So. Dance music is a massive part of festival culture and those dance specific festivals, they kind of cater for very specific things, I think, as well. Um, and then you have something like Park Life that kind of started off as a dance festival and has, has kind of almost gone the opposite way of the traditional festival and encompassed indie music and stuff within its realm. What like about dance festivals in particular is a completely drug-free they've always had that uh, going clean as a whistle the, throughout, throughout the decades you know yeah. more, more power to them for that now favorite festival doesn't really work because there's yeah. all different types of festivals but when you were writing the book did you come back to any performance that became like the yardstick by for, for how you judged everything else and sometimes it's not that they were the best band you've ever seen in a festival it's a good moment for you as yeah, well, you're, um, in a good, you're in a good place when you say it. That's just as important. Yeah, there was a couple actually. Um, weirdly, you mentioned Zach, but when Rage Against Machine played at Tea in the Park, that was a massive thing for me because I remember being about when my I was a teenager and seeing them on uh, um, the White Room. Do you remember the White Room that Mark? You know why they called it that? And uh, and they were on that, and I was kind of like, who the hell is this? Uh, and being a fan, you know, we we played out DJing so many times, always play Killing in the Name of when I'm out DJing. And I never thought I'd get the chance to no. see them live. And that was kind of like such a massive life fulfillment that I got One of the few though live. that didn't disappoint when they got back together as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so them and then, um, I mean, probably, probably that Blur reunion at Glastonbury was really? a really, a really big, yeah, it was so that, the atmosphere was like, it was like being at a family reunion. It was weird. Do you want to make you feel sick, man? No, My don't first tell me. ever festival, 1994. I mean, I'd seen Blur before right. at a Trip festival. to Tip, Tipperary, the failure. It was called 94. Well, yeah, yeah. On the one afternoon, Rage Against Machine and Blur, back to back. Yeah. In the but pump. this year, this year, <laughs> I get to tick off another one of those to see bands, Fleetwood Mac, Isle of Wight. Oh, uh, it'll be amazing, but I saw them. Oh, here we go. In Vegas. This this is really reaching the common man. I saw them in Vegas at Christmas, just there, just there. With Christine. No, 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 with Carney. Christine's back for Isle oh, of Wight. Oh, yes, I thought you meant my mum. Yeah, not yeah. mum. No, no, she, no it, was, it, it was the full band. And they, they played for like, contradictment I said earlier, one of the few bands that played for like three hours. Yeah. In Vegas, you expect them to. Unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. There's some ba bands who've been around a lot longer that really show yeah. so-called harder, younger bands how to play live. 
and it is unbelievably good. Unbelievable, you're, you're gonna absolutely love it. It's as visceral as I'd imagine they would have been back in the day. Like they, because of the, they, because of the relationships on stage, they just can't hide. They yeah. can't hide all the turmoil yeah. and the drug addictions, and even now when they yeah. play, absolutely amazing. But then also seeing someone like Dizzy Rascal on the main stage at Glastonbury as he was just about to release Bonkers, oh. and hearing him play that and seeing the reaction in that crowd, it was insane. Um, that video went to, he did Bassline Junkie for the first time. He said, I've just written this song and he banged that, it was yeah. amazing. Um, right, uh, let's take questions from the audience. Yeah, after doing all the research of all these festivals, are you slightly tempted to start your own or curate, curate one? Uh, I am, um, no. <laughs> From doing all the interviews, you kind of, it's, it's, it's so much work. It's such a massive beast. But I've been asked to curate a few things at um, festival number six this year. Uh, I curate some films, film stuff for them. And the great thing about festival number six is they have a house orchestra and a house, a house uh, male Welsh choir. So I'm trying to think of ways that we can maybe kind of do some kind of soundtrack score thing with someone. Um, so, yeah, but was it's that, uh, such a beast. So, yeah. All Tomorrow's Parties was the ATP? kind of definitely changed festivals because they all of a sudden had like Bell and Sebastian picking the whole line up for the whole day. Well, yeah, that know, kind and, of came off. And Mogwai the... picked the whole day and stuff. Yeah, that, well, that started off from the, um, the Bowley weekend, which was, which oh, was yeah, Bell and Sebastian's yeah. thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then it became ATP, which um, there's not ATP happening in the UK at the minute, but it's happening in Iceland and stuff. Oh. Um, but you saying about that whole thing about December being the only month, ATP kind of normally happens around Dece December, January time. So there you we've go, got that see. whole year. Non-stop. Right, mm. who's next? Hiya. There you go, right down the front there. Thank you. Hi, Hiya. Um, I'm Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you. Um, I was wondering, because of new technologies, obviously, uh, bands don't make as much money as they used to uh, anymore. But still, you said that a small independent festival had to go down the commercial way. Why do you think there's not more festival goers nowadays? Why do you think not more people are being interested in festivals? I think more people are. To be honest, otherwise the fe there wouldn't be more festivals. Um, so I think I think a two questions there. Bands. The only way that bands really make money is from touring uh, and doing festivals really anymore. So that's where they make their money. So they want to play as many festivals as as they possibly can. Um, and I think that you know when I was growing up, there was Glastonbury. That was the only festival that kind of was around. Then T and Reading and Leeds was around and. They, but they weren't accessible. Now festivals are incredibly accessible and you've got, you know, you have them on so many different scales that I think that there's actually probably more festival goers. Now, how old are you? Sorry, if you don't mind me asking. Um, 21. 21. I mean, you probably don't remember a time where there weren't festivals around. Festivals have been around for your entire life, so they're part of your, your culture. We expect them now. You used to need a camel and two horses to get their festival back in the day. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it was awful. Like, especially growing up in Ireland, getting to festivals. I'll tell you where you I really agree with you. It's, there's not enough different types of people turning on the festivals. I find, I find the audience can be a little middle class at times, and I, I'm not sure. I think if you go to a good old dirty ska festival, you know, I think you get a really nice mixed audience. Sometimes there's more diversity on the stage than offered at festivals, you know. And I, I, I think I've always thought that, and I always think that. I think some that's of the bigger the ones do price themselves out for everybody as well. I would, I would love to see some form of system where maybe 
I, I don't know whether it could be a precedent because you have to go, I think, the more the boutique ones that you, you've written about in the book too, uh, for affordability. Some of the big, big major ones now, it's a lot of money. If you have two, three kids, I don't know where you find that. I don't know where you find the four or 500 quid. You Probably can say six the same thing the about a football match. So, no, totally, I mean, totally. Like, but that is also pricing out. Yeah. Uh, but I think that you're, you're not going to. Of, of, there uh, are a of, lot of, the, of festivals. Of there are a lot of festivals that that are not just for middle yeah. class people. There's festivals that that cater for every music fan for all ages. Um, and and you know they kind of you need to kind of look at those probably the slightly smaller ones in terms of finding something that's a bit more niche. But you kind of great know though for a year though if if a festival like Glastonbury, which I which I am absolutely all for the wall and. I was I've been there when there's 250, 300,000 people, and I've been how scary it, it it was when the rain came down, and people died that year, and, and people forget about that. And I'm all for monitoring people coming in, but imagine if one year, a headline band said we're not going to take the million because we don't need it. They don't get paid a million, million at Glastonbury. 300,000, 400,000. Not even, not even. Not even there that is much. I get more than that today. There is a cap. That's the thing that people don't. That's. The thing that people don't really okay, realise well, about well, Glastonbury is like, it's machine. a very small amount of money in comparison okay. to other festivals where, like, for Reading and Leeds, you're getting... You get the mill. Yeah. What if a band said, you know what, we're going to just leave the mill for this year and we're going to lottery X amount of tickets? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Find or a if, band that would do that. Well, and I think sure Glastonbury be... could do that. That's within the wills to say They're not getting the mill, so there's no point. Yeah. It would have to be something like Reading and Leeds. Or three or four bands come you together. You could. Dolly you Park, could. give your money back. Give them your fee for DJing in between the bands. I don't care that much. And then <laughs> <laughs> the ticket prices could come down. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh, I wish. Right, <laughs> next, anything goes, don't be shy. I'm not and leaving here until you, sir, ask a question in your amazing jacket. Why don't you ask him where he we'll got We'll be his here all night. From. The doors will be locked. I don't care if it's even like, there oh, you go. Such a bully, isn't he? Um, I'm Solomon. Thanks for the compliment. <laughs> Hello, mate. Hi. If you could invent a like a, your own festival, yeah, like you're like a most unique, most amazing festival ever, yeah, with your own bands, with your own kind of setting, yeah, what would it be? And also, for somebody who's not been to a festival before, oh man, you've what, got to go. I know, I know, I need to go. Which yeah. one? Which one do you think is the best festival? We can all decide. Okay, what? Well, um, give me, give me sort of three or four of your favourite artists. Or I have a few. I have a Just few. Throw some at me. Throw some at so, me. So, um, Drake. Yeah. Um, let's think what else. What were the last things you downloaded? Let's face, let's face this guy ain't going anywhere that's really muddy in that jacket, right? I do know where he's going in that jacket. He's going to Bestival. That's where you're going. He, you're going to Bestival. He's a sharp dresser. He, he wants to be in an area maybe where he can glamp. Bestival. Or Most he's a shower. He wants a shower. This guy wants a shower, I think. Well, this is the thing, is like you cannot use camping as an excuse to not go to a festival anymore. You bloody can. Uh, you can't because every festival offers up any form of accommodation that you want. So get yourself the festival, I would suggest, sir, yeah. and you will have a rare time. All right. Um, in terms of my festival, my dream festival, where, where my you, dream it, festival would be... Where do you hold it? Um, it would be in Scotland. Uh, it would have rethink be... that part of it. Let's have a... Oh, don't be all kind of stereotypical <laughs> about the weather in Scotland. It would be on the west coast of Scotland in Argyll, uh, down near a place called Campbelltown, and you look across and see Jura. It's where Paul McCartney's farm is and where he wrote Mullacantyre and all that kind of stuff. And Please Black, tell me he'd headline and play Mullacantyre. Blackbird was written down there oh, as well. Oh, beautiful. So uh, I'd have Paul McCartney playing. Um, I would have... 
Uh, oh man, this is, I hate asking this, asking this question. Just from what I'm listening to at the minute, the new Chemical Brothers stuff I mentioned them earlier is phenomenal. They, they may I would have be in them. the running for best festival band ever. Yeah, Britain. but I would have them with I'd every say. guest artist they've had doing a vocal, so they nice. would all be there. So that's even Ian Brown. Even Ian Brown, okay. of course, and then he could do Fear. Would Ian Brown wear an Ethiopian tracksuit like he did last time I saw him play the festival? Probably. It was amazing. Probably. Yeah. Um, would yeah. you ban fun fairs? Would you ban fun fairs? I would I'm ban, sick of that. I would ban the inverted bungee jump. Yeah, what's Not that the big about? wheel. The big wheel's nice. I know. The big wheel's good for like no. a, a kind of comedy interview situation. Yeah, well, okay, the I big wheel can stay. Around it, but not the inverted bungee yeah. jump. I mean, surely it's just full of yeah. wee and sick. Any, you, anything <laughs> that when Radiohead are playing flip, fake plastic trees, you don't hear somebody <laughs> don't going, Way! Yeah, exactly. You see someone fight, yeah. <laughs> Get rid of all that. Um, yeah. Things you get rid of, I think, is probably as, as just important. The, just that, the I inverted, yeah. inverted uh, bungee jump. Um, I would, uh, I would, I would definitely uh, relax security a little bit on um, in terms of crowd surfing. I think everybody should crowd surf once in their life. So I would actually, when I would give people Safety's a badge, also a big issue. you're allowed one. No, but you're allowed yeah. one crowd surf, right? And you get a little badge. You've done it once. Do the game. You're dead. <laughs> But that one, we'll give you a pat on the back and allow you to go. Okay. Oh, make sure you crowd surf wherever you go. In that jacket. Okay? I don't even go, we go to festival, crowd surf over the prams. There's no, there's a feeling's amazing. <laughs> there's not many prams at festival. Okay. Uh, any, anyone else? There you go, brilliant stuff. I think this is the last question, isn't it? Uh, so, hi, uh, my name is Orion. Sorry for the English accent, which is weird. Um, where are you, where are you from? Where are you from? Uh, Switzerland. Okay. Oh, lovely. My Swiss is awful, so you're ahead of us. <laughs> so okay. don't apologize. Uh, yeah. Do you speak French or German? French. 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 Okay. So um, about camping and stuff. Yeah. Like, do you have any stories where you would like half amused and half scared? Because sometimes it can it can get a bit messy. Yeah. For example, one day I arrived at 2 a.m. in my campsite and the tent was gone. Yeah. Like someone decided it was not the right place to just Moved My friend Lana and Carlin, who Colin knows very well, yeah. um, were being very kind and, and offered to put my tent up because I was working. This is 10 years ago at Glastonbury. And they were like, we'll put your tent up for you. You know, next to theirs in our little kind of, you know, that thing where you all face each other and you've got your little kind of communal bit in the middle. Uh, and so we, you know, finished work, went out, went and saw some bands and stuff. In the bar, like, oh, let's go back. So we all sat outside, in the, you know, long story short, in the tent. Woke up the next morning, it was the Glastonbury where the tents were kind of, you know, being taken off in a river. Uh, and they'd forgotten to put, I mean, it's about that size, just a tiny little bit that goes over the air vent on the top of the tent. It's just oh, a yeah. tiny little thing they'd forgotten to put on. And uh, Tom was like, don't move! And we woke up and I was like, I thought there was like someone about to fall on our tent or in our tent. And uh, there was about to have this massive rush of water come into our sleeping bag nice. if we kind of like moved. Because it, it was just getting deeper and yeah. deeper. And it was like, if, if we kind of moved suddenly, we just have gushed in the sleeping bag. So um, yeah, but you know, you can look back and laugh now. Everything else was sodden. Like everything else in the tent was sodden. That's the rite of passage in that moment when you're miserable and you see that one band play that one song. And you go, that's okay. I'm yeah. okay to be like, yeah. That's all right. Owen's got uh, got uh, diarrhea from a sweet corn. Oh God. Are we really going to end on your I'm diarrhea? I'm just saying I don't look back on that and laugh. You said you can always Are look back really and laugh. Are we really going to look back I've on your diarrhea? I've never looked back on that and laughed. Has anyone got any more? There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. We're all night aid. Forget about your kids. We're staying until there's no questions left.
This question is coming from the interpreter. Hello. Oh, amazing. Edith, um, I've never ever heard of all these festivals. It's been really fascinating to watch, but I'm just really curious. Parents bringing their children, um, aren't they really worried about their children going deaf, <laughs> coming back not being able to hear? You, we, we, we get proper ear defenders. You can buy proper ear defenders for your children, and it's not like you take them, you don't take them right in front of the, the speakers. You keep them in, in safe environments. It, it's, it's very different, isn't it, now? There's Steve, Steve Lamarck's book was called Going Deaf for a Living. We that kind of last generation of DJs that there was no guidelines for your hearing. Yeah. After us, literally, like, because I was one of the ones, first ones signed the health and safety form that waived all, I couldn't sue the BBC. If you for went having deaf. headphones up loud, because yeah. at that stage I needed them louder. And we were that last, but the modern day is so yeah. much different now. They're all half volume. Everyone takes care of their hearing. You'd be fine if up. you went to Reading Festival because it's so quiet that yeah. you, you, you don't need to wear ear defenders. That's true. That's why Leeds is better than Reading. Yeah. If you've got the choice of Leeds or Do Reading, go to Leeds. Leeds is amazing. Because yeah. it's uh, much louder. There's less, less, less restrictions, isn't it? Right, yeah. on that. Thank you for your question. I hope you go to a festival. Has, has anybody got um, a, a festival memory that they, you know, we've been talking about them here, an unlikely festival memory or that they'd like to share rather than a question? I think they're tarnished by all years, to be honest. Oh, I once went to a jazz festival in that Toronto. That wasn't a cue for right? another one. This is very quick, right? <laughs> I, went, I went to a jazz festival in Toronto and I've been into my jazz music in the last five years. It makes you a really dull person. And, uh, no, it doesn't. And it was a marquee. And it looked more like a, a roach, a gardening road show, like Charlie Dimmick was about to get up and give a speech. And uh, really just tepid and just stale environment. And Dave Brubeck was playing, who is a genius, uh, but is probably best known for the... Uh, the it's called Take Five. Low great songs. But he was an off-key pianist, basically. He could pay off rhythm and off-key. He was amazing. But he died about six months after this gig. And it took him five minutes to get on the stage. He was so old. I think he was 92 or 82. I can't remember at the time. took so long. And he sat at that piano and he blew that room away. Like, he blew that room away. People were hanging from the ceilings, throwing their chairs out of the way. That, you know, festivals do that. You never know when it's going to throw up that moment. I, yeah. I floated on from that. And, and I know, still kind of feel like I've still got a lot more moments to experience, to be honest. That's why I kind of hope that I'm still going to them for the next 20, 30, however, you know. I think that's a great. You are going to be that person. I'm going to be that naked <laughs> granny that we <laughs> the saw the granny. very first year we went to Glastonbury. <laughs> the naked granny in just Jesus sandals with a handbag. <laughs> that... Will be me. Yeah, and by that stage, uh, Ada Bowman's Great British Music Festival will be on its 10th edition. Uh, so <laughs> the, the e-book's great. We're, we're in the Apple Store, so as you mentioned that, the e-book's good. Probably the best way to get it. There'll be an advanced version comes out later, like an enhanced version that you get all the stuff you get with the book. If not, the book, if you like a hard copy, exclusive digital app with that. It's got all the interviews, which are probably a bit swirly, aren't they? Uh, they're not bad, actually. But do you know my only kind of uh, regret with the book? is that I didn't have a picture. I couldn't find a picture anywhere of you and me at the festival. Well, don't worry about that because the, the most important part of the book came quite early on. I've written this down when you described working with me as a golden time. So, and, and, and who could disagree with that? Um, I'm a shame your life turned out so badly that that is a, <laughs> that is a golden time.
Um, <laughs> listen, thank you for coming. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying it. And yeah, thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you, love. No, anytime. Anytime. Thank you.